Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 345 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to trick yourself into better tennis. This is a concept or a approach, a philosophy that I've been using for quite a while now with students. And recently, just something I've been paying a little bit more attention to with a couple recent players that we've worked with. And it's an approach to learning something new that you can copy. You don't need to be here in Milwaukee with us to to do this. You don't even need a coach on your local courts to do this. You could totally do this by yourself. And I'm going to lay out exactly how you can do that and why this is so important and why it's critical for your development that you think about this type of trickery in your practice, in your training. So quick story about a recent student that illustrates this perfectly, and then we'll kind of break down the fundamentals of what's happening here, why it's important, and how you can use it yourself. We were working on the the backhand volley of a student just a couple weeks ago, and she had a problem with her backhand volley that's really, really common. She was overextending. She was overeager to go out and meet the ball. And at contact, she was completely extended. And her, her arms, her hand, hands were completely outstretched at the point of contact. And she had a really typical kind of punch style approach to her volleys. And so everything would kind of thrust out towards the ball and towards the point of contact. And then right at contact, everything would just stop and just kind of hit a brick wall. So she had very little control, very little ability to to uh, have any touch or feel or be consistent. And like in general, her volleys were just very lacking in any ability to be calm and confident and, and controlled with what she was doing. And we see this all the time, by the way, with players. This is a really, really common thing. So our initial kind of an analysis with her and breaking down what she was doing, we let her know that our goal with her was to have her make contact right about even with her front shoulder on her her backhand side. And then from there, we'd, we'd like her racket to continue moving through the point of contact out towards her target and a nice smooth controlled guide of the racket. Not a swing, but just guiding the racket out through the point of contact smoothly instead of making contact another foot or two further out in front from there and just stopping abruptly and having very little control over what was happening. So we asked her to try to make contact at her front shoulder, and she was struggling doing that. She consistently kept gravitating back towards her original habit, which was to be way, way out in front. And she was making some progress, but she couldn't seem to make contact at her front shoulder. Everything was consistently a solid 8, 10, 12 inches further out in front than that because of her old habit. So I said, okay, after making several attempts, and I went out and I said, tell you what, and I, I demonstrated it first. I said, I, I know this is going to feel kind of weird and it's going to sound kind of weird, but just for, just for fun, just to completely do something completely different, I'd love for you to actually make contact at your back shoulder. So if you can imagine getting set up for a backhand volley, making that, that turn with your body towards your backhand side, meeting the ball. So imagine allowing the ball coming all the way back past your front shoulder, past your chest, and all the way back to your back shoulder, way back behind you, basically at your back foot, if you were to turn to the side. So I demonstrated it, and um, you know I can attest to the fact that it was way outside of what I normally do. We even checked it on video, and I was, I was successful completing it. 
And then our student stepped in after I demonstrated it. She was very clear about what I wanted her to do. And I said, all right, all right, let's see it. Kevin, go ahead, feed the ball. And your only goal here, it makes no difference where the ball goes. It doesn't matter if you make the shot. We just want to see the ball hit your racket all the way at your back shoulder. And what do you think happened? The ball came and she made contact and she was like, oh, yeah, that was definitely it. I waited way longer on that one. We got the iPad, quickly went back to the shot she just hit, and she made contact perfectly at her front shoulder when she was attempting to make contact at her back shoulder. And so I essentially tricked her into doing the right thing by asking her to do something totally way off on the other end of the spectrum. And this is this type of trick, and you can kind of put that in air quotes. It, I mean, it is a trick. It literally is a trick because <laughs> I know it's going to happen. The vast majority of the time, what's going to happen is she's going to meet in the middle. And here's the problem. Here's why she was stuck. And here's why players all over the world get stuck is because we really, really love feeling comfortable. We love making tennis shots. I mean, that's why we play. We want to make shots. We don't want to miss shots. We love knowing where the ball is going. We love having some kind of assurance of when I hit a backhand volley, I'd really like to know like where the ball is going to go. What's the result going to be? We, we have such a strong, connective drive to needing to know what is the result of our shot going to be. We love winning points. All that, that reliability of knowing where the ball is going to go, it helps us to win points. We love that. We love not letting our doubles partners down. You know, if we can be consistent, we know where the ball is going, and we can pretty reliably know what the result of any given shot is going to be, it makes it easier for us to be a good doubles partner, put the ball in play, and and be a little more successful and, and feel good that we've supported our partner. And we don't want to let our teammates down either, same, same kind of thing. And so our brains, our subconscious, fights really hard to keep us doing what we know we can rely on. Our old way of hitting a backhand ground stroke or a forehand volley or an overhead, it might not be perfect, but at least we know what the result is going to be. Like it, it, we, we might know that there's some flaws there, and fundamentally maybe it needs some improvement, but at least I know I can make the ball go there when I want it to go there. It might not be Federer, but at least we know what we're going to get, and there's a certain amount of comfort in that. And when we step on a tennis court, and we want a certain result, we want a certain outcome of our match, of our competition, then what are we going to use? We're going to go right back to Old Faithful and use that reliable technique that we know what we're going to get out of the equation. So asking a student to do something really different than what they're used to usually leads to something just a tiny bit outside their comfort zone. And so in the case of this student with the backhand volley, we demonstrated to her on video, we showed her, look at how uncomfortable of a position you're currently hitting the ball. And she totally got that. And she was totally on board. It had nothing to do with her commitment. Like she, she was completely open to making the change and she was ready to, to make an improvement to her backhand volley. The problem is that she's hit so many backhand volleys with that old framework and she's watched as the ball has done a certain thing while using that framework and she's come to trust and rely on that framework. And so asking her to do something different, something completely different, what happens is small changes, small deviations from that comfort zone feel really, really big. 
And this is where there's that separation, that chasm between feel and real. What it feels like in real time is completely different from what's actually happening. What it feels like to change your contact point on a backhand volley by two inches, what it feels like is a foot and a half. And I can just attest to this from working with countless students and seeing their reactions and their responses, but also personally. I've experienced it myself. I, I know the difference between what it feels like to make a shift and what actually happens is two completely different things. So there are two basic paths that we can take with students. When we're trying to get them to do something different, we can let them take tiny step after tiny step after tiny step, hopefully in the right direction, and hopefully they inch their way all the way to what we're trying to get them to do. And in this case, it was a, it was a big shift. Like in terms of concept, in terms of, you know, um, in terms of uh, just the, the concept of making this change for the student, it's not complicated. It's not difficult. Oh, let the ball come further and make contact a little bit further back. Like in, in theory, that's not a complicated thing. But in practice, it's a gigantic change. So we can either try to get them to inch their way towards the right thing, or we can try to get them to do something totally crazy, something completely on the other end of the spectrum of the mistake that they typically make. And it could be that they'll actually do the crazy one. And if that happens, then that's great. I love seeing, by the way, it almost never happens. I would say maybe one out of 10 times the student actually does the crazy thing that I'm trying to trick them with. And in that case, I'm like, oh, awesome. Like, fantastic job being so aware of how your body is moving and how the ball is interacting with your body's movement that you were actually able to control what you were doing well enough to do something way different than what you're used to. I love seeing that because it it demonstrates really good kinesthetic awareness of the student. That's fantastic awareness training. To ask the student to do something really kind of crazy and see them actually do it is great. I know that they just made a big jump in their feel versus real connection. And the more those things overlap and they're the same, the more of a chance my student has of actually doing the new and correct thing correctly and doing it consistently. So I'd I'd much rather them actually do the crazy thing and then take a couple steps back towards the middle in between where they started and the crazy thing. In my experience, that's much, much easier than the opposite taking the little tiny progressive steps. And then a lot of times players just get stuck in my experience. Like they'll make, like on their first try, they'll make progress in the right direction. And then they just kind of hit a brick wall. And we, we kind of hit this spot with students where we're saying, you know what, compared to where we started, this is good. I mean, you're making progress in the right direction, but what we'd really like to see is that same amount of change again in the direction that we're headed. And I've seen over and over again, students kind of get stuck in that space. And that's when we start to pull in the, the trickery of asking them to do something totally ridiculous. And so when we ask them to do something crazy and they think they're doing the crazy one, but they meet halfway in the middle, well, that's fantastic. Like we just achieved exactly what we want, even though there was a little bit of, of uh, subterfuge, even though there was a little bit, we weren't, I wasn't totally honest in asking them to do the real one. I'm still happy if they, if they do the, the actual exaggeration. If they, if they do the crazy one, I'm still happy. 
And in my experience, it helps players get to the one we actually want much faster. But nine times out of 10, when I ask people to do the crazy one, they actually do what we really want in real life. They don't do the crazy one. They meet halfway in between where they started and the crazy one. And that's exactly what we want. And so this is something we do with students all the time. And we actually had a student recently who struggled doing the exaggerated one. And I I really pushed him to see if he could actually do the exaggerated one just to really broaden his his awareness and broaden his feel for what he was doing with his body. And sometimes players just can't ever do the exaggerated one. And that's fine as long as they can get to where we actually want them to be. Of course, like that's the bottom line always is we want to make progress. Of course, we we want them to leave knowing exactly this is the position you should be in at contact on your forehand or whatever it happens to be. And if students walk off the court with that feeling, no matter how they got there, then I'm super thrilled. I'm super happy. So you can totally do this to yourself. You can trick yourself as it were. Let's say you're struggling to hit your backhand cross court. Well, Rather than just try to hit cross court and continue to push the ball towards the middle and making tiny, tiny, hopefully tiny steps in the right direction and not just being totally stuck, rather than doing that, why not just aim outside the doubles alley completely? Like don't even aim for the court. Try to hit the side fence or the side curtain all the way on the side of the court and actually keep attempting that until you really do it. Once you actually hit that side curtain, then coming back and hitting the, the ad side corner and hitting cross court with your backhand is all of a sudden really easy. Like it, it breaks you free of the rut that you've been in. It helps you feel something completely different and then allows you to ratchet back just a little bit to that middle ground where you actually would like to be. So this is an approach. This is a developmental way of thinking and way of, of helping players change that we use a lot and that you can use as well in your own development. Hopefully this gives you some things to think about, some ideas. If you'd like to experience this type of coaching firsthand, then we'd love to work with you. We have a lot of opportunities in 2020 for technique, for strategy. We're talking about even adding some mental coaching to our calendar this year. So if you'd ever like to know what we have going on, just go to EssentialTennis.com, click on the little tab that says Coaching, and you'll see what we have available. We'd love to spend time with you on the courts and help you reach the next level. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care and good luck with your tennis.